Good evening. Welcome into another edition of Meet Me at Musual. I'm your host, Andrew Stop. C70 at bat at C70 on Twitter. Alex Chrisofuli, Alex Card 79, sitting in for Alan Medlock again tonight as we. It's Saturday night, and the Cardinals haven't played yet, so we can't be too disappointed. Um, but Alex, man, every every week I think we're going to have one of these shows where we're, we, we've turned a corner or we've got some signs of optimism, and here we are at the end of April. We still haven't had one. They seem to be on this pattern where oh, we're like, oh my gosh, they're going to get swept. And then they will like pound the team who's been kicking their butts the last couple of days, like seven to nothing. Mm-hmm. And it fills me with this false hope, uh, fills the uh, broadcast booth with sort of false hope because they bring this up as well. It's like, maybe this will be the turning point, you know? <laughs> um, and then we start a new series and back to square one. Now we have been playing some tough teams uh on the road out west you know maybe uh you know jet lag whatever you want to say they're far from home <laughs> that said the the 0 and 9 mm-hmm. start in opener in openers is something uh it's almost where i kind of want it to continue like like don't get me <laughs> wrong i want the Cardinals to win games but now i'm like it's reached a point where it's intriguing like how long can this go uh it it made me think, and I know you remember this, uh, 1988, the Orioles. 0-21, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. That seems, in a sport like baseball, I don't care how bad the team is, to 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 have a 21-game losing streak is borderline impossible. Mm-hmm. To start a season, Owen, to, start, to start a season that way, was just so ridiculous. Um, it almost seems mythical by this point. Yeah. Uh, I, I still remember the old Sports Illustrated cover with like uh, I forget which may have been Ripken, like with his I think with head, 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 head down with the like like sitting on his his forehead on a bat or something like that. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah the forehead like, on the bat. And that was like I, I think they were eighteen or something like. Yeah, that. they were zero and eighteen at that point, so they still had three losses to go. Um, and anyway, uh, it, it start. It's just kind of reminding me of that. Now, obviously, they're not zero twenty one. You know, right. you can lose, you can lose. I guess twenty series series openers in a row and still have a five hundred record or even better. And mm-hmm. uh, you, you do it right, but they're really not doing it right because they're not doing well in that second game of the <laughs> series. Either. Yeah, I mean, if you can win two out of three, it doesn't really matter if you lose the first one. If you win the next two. But it puts you in a bit of a hole to try to you have to you know win the next two to win a series, and the Cardinals haven't done a lot of that. Um, you're right; it it doesn't feel like, and I'd, you'd have to go back and look. I mean, they won the series against the Rockies, they won the series against the Blue Jays at the beginning of the year, but it doesn't really feel much like they have 
done much in that second game either, right? I mean, they've it's like they've had to play well in those getaway games, as it were, just to salvage something. I mean, they've only been swept one time this year, but that's not saying a lot. Right, and, you know, we watched the team for so long under La Russa, and one thing, or at least one thing I've convinced myself uh, was a staple of, like, the La Russa era, Mm -hmm. was that, like, look, we're going to win more series than we lose, and that's how we're going to have a good season. We're just going to slowly plot along, um, pick off – pick off series here and there. And then before you know it, the season's going to be over and we'll, we'll have won 93, 94 games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they weren't putting together 17 game win streaks. Like we saw two years ago, like, you know, even that 2004 team, when they went on that terror um, and won 80 out of 110 games, I'll have to go look at it, but I, but I know they never had like a 10 game winning streak during that or, or anything like that. They would just win like Four out of five, then then uh, then five of six, or you know they just were consistently very very good, uh, and I I think that's why this sort of stings because we we had grown so accustomed to I mean I look Larusa has been gone for a very long time now, um, but I think even after even post Larusa we kind of grew accustomed to like uh, especially in those first couple of years with Matheny. Um, that like, okay, this team's going to just keep winning a bunch of series. Um, and by the end of the year, everything's going to work out. Mm-hmm. And so when you lose that first game of the series, um, you're just kind of like what you said. You're just like, well, gosh, um, I guess we got to win the next two now. Right. Yeah, I just checked. The 2014 did have a nine-game winning streak, but it was like the end of August through the beginning of September when they were already, you know, kind of clicking on all cylinders. Um, okay. So, but yeah, nothing, of course, like that. Yeah, seventeen or anything like that. The, the, but the thing is, their longest losing streak was four, and it was at the very end of the season. So, right. You know, be, be, I think they lost. Didn't they lose their last three games in a row? Or last four games. In, um, this one says the September twenty seventh to Thursday, September thirtieth. So, okay. Yeah, so right in there. Let's see. Let's yeah. Pull the rest of their schedule. See how when the season actually ended that year. Uh, yeah, they lost those four and then won two of the last three against the Brewers. So, okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, by that time, you know, they were up in double digit, you know, 14, 15 games. So it didn't really matter. Um, this Cardinal team, not up 14 or 15 games. In fact, going into today, they're a game and a half behind fourth place. I mean, that is just, <laughs> I mean... I mean, I never expected this to be the year that that pirate streak ended, but it's getting, you know, it's it's April. I know we're early, blah, blah, blah. But the longer this goes, the more, uh, you know, nervous you get about keeping that streak alive. Yeah, and you know how kind of obnoxious or confident I've been about <laughs> that. And partly it was because, like you just said, it never dawned on me that this could be the year that we finish behind the Pirates. Um, and let me say, I don't think the Pirates are going to finish much better than 500. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they finished below 500. But they could do either of those things. And with the way the Cardinals are playing right now, we could still finish behind them because the Cardinals stink right now. Yeah. I, I don't know. And I don't, I don't 
know the solution, obviously. Otherwise, I probably would see about maybe getting the air of John Mosellock. Um But I, I don't know. I mean, it feels, is this the weirdest season so far? When you take this team and you see what it's doing and you compare it to what you think of the Cardinals, right? I mean, not only are they not winning, but there's been off the field drama. There's been roster moves that don't necessarily make a whole lot of sense at times. Um, It kind of feels like they're making it up as they go along. And I'm not saying they haven't in the past. I just think they've done a better job of hiding it in the past than they are this year. It's like, everything's been stripped away and now we're seeing maybe what they didn't want us to see. You mentioned off the field drama. Do you remember when I was on a couple of weeks ago and we said, let's, let's return to the Tyler O'Neill, Ollie Marmel thing in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that would have been like a week ago if we would have uh, stuck to that um, when we were supposed to return to it and see if it's still a big deal. Um, so I think what, three weeks later now or, or whatever, um, what's our answer to that question? Cause I don't, I think it ended up being exactly like I thought it would, which is like not that huge of a deal, but I could be, you know, I'm not inside the clubhouse. Right. I don't know what's inside Tyler O'Neill's head. If he still kind of stings from that. Um, but it doesn't seem like it's a huge deal. Um, what do you think? And I, I know that wasn't really. No, you know, but, there was more to your question than that, but I, I think you're right in the fact that it doesn't seem to have that part. The O'Neill Marmol um, relationship does not seem to have gotten much past the two or three day window of a you know baseball scandal, if you will. Um, yeah. But I do think that that was the starting point, and there's other things that have gone into it now of maybe a a reevaluation or a downgrade in, in um, esteem for Ollie Marmol. Um, Because I don't, I think there's a lot of, a lot more people on Ollie for a lot of different reasons, not just that, but I I think that that kind of started the trend. Now, again, the biggest thing is they've only won 10 games. And if they were, you know, up by three in the division, I don't think anybody's worried about him, but it does when I when I look at Twitter, which is not necessarily a great thing to do, but when you look at the way that people are discussing and talking about it, it feels like there's a lot less trust in what Ollie Marmol is doing than there was probably at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Oh, I I, I think for sure. Um, I think if you if you think of where we were from when everyone was watching that lovely video of Ollie sitting down with Jordan Walker Mm -hmm. um, and telling him he made the club and how just much good thoughts we had towards him, towards Jordan Walker, towards everything um, to where everyone is now, like a month later and everyone being like, this guy's in over his head, which I don't know if that's true or not. Um, Who really knows, but (laughs) you're right. It did not take long to turn on him Uh, real quick. That video, you know what video I'm yeah, talking about, yeah. right? When you sit, when Jordan Walker stands up, and you see his hulking size compared mm-hmm. to, is was there something weird with the camera? Because I, I know he's obviously a lot bigger than Ollie Marmel, but it almost looks like. Do you remember that picture where like Joe Biden was with Jimmy Carter? 
Oh yeah, um, and he yeah, looked like yeah, he looked like he was <laughs> like three times Carter size. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it almost looks like that or something. I'm like, what is going on? Um, yeah. Anyway, back, back on. I digress a little bit talking about uh, uh, fourth perspective <laughs> presidents. Um, yeah, uh, I. It's almost like this is the reverse team from 2013 uh, because mm-hmm. in. I, you know, I, I looked earlier, and this team, the one we're watching right now, has like a collective 115 WRC plus. Um, and, and believe me, they they aren't having trouble like necessarily scoring runs. Although I thought, I, I think a lot of us thought even with this offense, they'd be scoring even more than they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that 2013 team, I, I just looked it up, had 104 WRC plus, um, but they scored a ton. Because as we all know, and I think we've talked about before, they just happen to always get that hit with runners in scoring position. They what, batted 335 with runners in scoring position, which just does yeah. not happen. Yeah. And Alan Craig was just especially, if I recall, just a monster anytime there happened to be runners on base. Uh, and it seems like we're this team is just kind of like the bizarro version of the 2013 team, at least when it comes to hitting. Because... But they're, they are hitting the ball well. They just don't have the luck or the results to show for it. Yeah. And, and to some degree, I mean, I haven't looked at it too much. Earlier on, though, I know it was like, you know, they would have a lot of games where they'd have like 10 hits, but they're all singles, you know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, you left eight men on or something like that. And, you know, they've also had a few games, you know, they've, won a couple, one game by 10 game, 10 runs and uh, a couple of games like that. So there's, you know, in, in a small sample, like we've got a little bit of that could skew, but you're right. I, if you were going to say that the offense, if you could give that offense a decent pitching staff, we're not, we're not worried about things too much. Um, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to go back a little bit to, to what we were talking about. I want to use that. We asked for some Twitter questions and we're going to try to t- touch on, on some of them. As we go along, but the first one here um, is from Jeff Nixon, Jeff double underscore Nixon. And he's got a question that I want to jump off on a little bit, but his question is, are Cardinals fans now understanding Molina's true value? Uh, for decades, we heard what a master he was at calling games and managing pitchers, but metrics were unavailable. Contreras is certainly better offensively, but the struggles of the pitching staff look much different than before. I... Let's. I want. Let's. Let's address this first, but then I want to use it to something else. Do you think that? I mean, what are you thinking about Contreras compared to Molina, as we've seen in this first month? Well, we as the um, the person asking the question noted, he's certainly hitting the ball a lot better than Yadi did the last couple seasons, or for a very long time, maybe even go back to since. 10 years ago. Uh, and he's been hitting the crap out of the ball and he's finally, um, um, getting the rewards for that. Uh, because you know, at early in the season, he just seemed to be having a lot of bad luck, even though he was still hitting the ball hard. But I think, let me look it up. I mean, yeah. You remember when we were talking with Dane a couple, well, that was just what, two weeks ago, right? Yeah. When we, we were yeah. talking with Dane yeah. Perry mm-hmm. and I, I think he had a WRC plus of what, like 
around 60 and, and, and now that, even yeah and, and now and now he's he's at 116 and it's he's slugging over 400 um so that reversed itself i think like we all thought it would um i want to be careful with the defense because in terms of like the and i'm and when i say defense i'm using a pretty big umbrella there to talk about like framing and game calling mm-hmm. and stuff like that, just because one, it's early Two, I, I just have to trust like what sites like baseball savant says. Um, and I think as noted two weeks ago uh, by Dane, like he's kind of right in the middle of the pack there. Um, it doesn't always pass the eye test for me, at least for the framing. Um, but I, I think we can all say Savant is <laughs> a more reliable source than my eye test, especially since I'm not, I'm not able to watch every game, especially the, these West Coast games. Um, what I will say, and I'm really curious to hear your opinion on this, I think Cardinal fans have always known Yachty's true value. Um, at least a lot of us have. I mean, look, that's all a lot of us have talked about the last couple of years is these sort of uh, mythical things about Yachty as like a pitching uh, pitcher whisperer, um, how the ERA when he's a catcher versus when he's not, um, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, every single anecdote by every single person that has pitched to him, whether it be someone who's just there for a little bit like John Lester or Adam Wainwright, who, you know, he's who, uh, you know, has thrown more pitches to him than maybe any pitcher has to any catcher. I I, I don't know. Um, we heard all that. We saw all that. And I think we most of us who or at least who are this glued in knew like, I mean, some of us bought into it more than others. I've certainly bought into a lot. I've always believed like th- this guy is super, super valuable. Even, uh, you know, to use that old TL- TLR quote, even if he's batting, you know, <laughs> hasn't gotten a hit all year. I, he, he brings value to the team. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think if you'd ask the rest of the baseball world too, they'd say we, we more than appreciated Yachty's, <laughs> Yachty's value. I think, I, I think, uh, I, I don't think that's ever been Cardinals fans problems. Uh, now with Contreras, it's tough to say because I don't know if, this pitching just has been bad. And, mm-hmm. and I think I, I don't feel comfortable acting like this is Wilson Contreras's fault or even a little bit of his fault. And I almost feel as though management didn't do him a, much service by having him be our, the centerpiece of the off season and then kind of do nothing else. And then set him up with a pitching staff that on paper looked kind of designed to, Fail. Maybe designed to fail is, is way too strong, but on, on paper did not look good or did not look great at least. And the results have bore that out. They have been uh, less than great. And I, th- I don't think that's been very fair to Wilson Contreras. And I think management hasn't been fa- almost fair to Wilson Contreras because they should have known who everyone is going to blame. If the minute our hall of fame catcher, uh, and he will be a Hall of Famer the minute this guy that we all love walks away. And then we saddle the new catcher with a pitching staff 
that is likely going to be below average. Um, and perhaps one of our worst pitching staffs going back several years now. Um, gosh, maybe you can even argue since 2007, although I would have to look closer at that. Um, we should have known who, who they were going to blame. And that and who when I say they, I mean like a lot of fans. And I don't think that's fair at all to Wilson Contreras. Um, that, that doesn't mean he might. Does he have a little bit to blame? Maybe. I really don't know. I'm, I'm just not good enough at evaluating kind of the 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 framing issue um and i like i said i have to stick to savant and the game calling stuff i mean gosh who really knows when it comes to that i I just don't think we've seen enough of him to even form an opinion on that and i I know i just kind of talked a lot and and hit a lot of various points but it's a it's a question with a lot of kind of issues attached to it it's a good question i think that for me if i don't think you can put I don't know how much, like you said, I don't have, I'm sure there's a little bit of this as it's Wilson Contreras, but this pitching staff is not that much different than last year's staff. I mean, there's some of the same people involved, right? And Yadier Molina was gone for a logged part of last year. I think we, we, we sometimes forget that Yadi was not only not playing, he wasn't even in the country for like two months of the season. Um, so I feel like we would have seen some of these same issues for that part of time last year. And, and maybe we did a little bit. I don't know. I'd have to go, you know, go back and look, but I think that, yeah, you're going to have a drop off, but it's so there. And, and again, there's so many different variables about this thing. I would, if I was good to blame anything and I haven't seen any, any numbers on this at all, but, you know, if I was going to blame anything, I'd go with a shift first, probably. The shift being banned, you know, opening a few more things up with a pitch-to-contact team. I could see that being just as much of an issue as Wilson Contreras. Um, but, so that's what I wanted to kind of, uh, it's something that I thought about today is, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Ollie Marmol and how we were kind of looking at Ollie a little bit different now. Do you think that that having Albert Pujols and Adam Wainwright and to some degree Yadier Molina when he was there on that staff last year, I don't want to say covered up for any flaws that, that, that Ollie might have had, but in to some degree, you know, buffeted him a little bit or maybe helped him, you know, or they would, you know, kind of put him on the right path that he doesn't have that anymore? Or do you think that's just the difference in winning and losing. I I think that's certainly possible. I think you could maybe even add Skip Schumacher mm. to, to that uh, list. And I, I don't mean to imply anything about, um, you know, McEwing or, or whatever. Um, all right. It's, it, it's Joe McEwing, right? right, right. Is now the, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just like, as I was saying that, I was like, wait, that's correct, right? Okay. <laughs> yes, that's right. Super Joe is there. You hugely informed Cardinals fan, me talking, <laughs> uh, having to remind myself who the bench coach is. Um, yeah, I think there could be something to that. And, and by the way, I looked it up. Uh, Yadier Molina had 270 plate appearances mm. last season, so he was there less than half the time. Yeah, um, right at half the time, I would say. Um, uh, I, like. Like what we talked about with Tyler O'Neill and 
Ollie Marmol a couple weeks ago. This could all cease being a big deal or any kind of deal if three weeks from now uh, the Cardinals have like rattled off like an 11 and six stretch or something. You know what I mean? Right. Something like right. that. Right. Uh, which, gosh, they would still be under 500, but that's fine. You know, we've we've been right around 500 or even under 500 at that at this point in the season. Uh, where we haven't been is 10 and 17, which just looks so ugly when you look at the standings. Like, oh my gosh, um, <laughs> you know, 27 games is, uh, you know, that's that's not that's not nothing. That's something to and to have a to have a win percentage under four, you know, under 400. It's just gross to look at. I don't like seeing it. Um, I, I actively avoid looking at the standings. Well, um, I mean, I don't want to see that looking back at me. In, we're at 27 games. That means counting, you know, tonight and four more, you're at 32, which is basically 20% of the season, right? And that means right. the best they could do is be at 15 wins at 20% of the season gone by. That's that's disturbing. That's less, that's uh, like us, you know, extrapolate that over a whole season you're talking about 75 76 wins mm-hmm. so yeah um I, I will also say uh and, and you you kind of touched on this um or it made me think of this when you brought up the shift uh the defense isn't as good as it used to yeah. be and we have as you noted uh a rotation that does not strike guys out they allow the ball to be put into play and the defense um you, you know i think i heard ben humphrey mention um this before, which is that when you had an outfield last year of Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, um, you, you know, that wasn't, it wasn't like it was those three guys for 162 games, but that seemed to be the primary outfield, at least up until, you know, Harrison Bader got traded, mm-hmm. you know, balls hit in the air. It's, it's, it's going to get caught. Uh, it, it, and it was, it was fun to watch. And I remember Alan, when, when back in the day when he was on the show, he would talk about how, you know, that up the middle defense was, was, was one of the Cardinal strengths. And it was, and and that was something Joe Sheen would always talk about is look, the Cardinals are going to be relying on good defense, good base running. Uh, And what have we seen so far this year? Uh, Not great defense and very, very bad base running. Um, And so I think that's another, just the bad, just the, Weaker defense is another thing I think that is is a big factor that I could see that I just don't want to see like people blaming Wilson Contreras for. Right. You know, I, I uh, th- this has been very much a group effort. This ten and seventeen record. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, everybody's got a part to play in this, um, including the for some reason Nolan Arenado wanting to fix his swing that got him third in the MVP voting last year. I, I love Nolan and I understand his desire to want to always be better, but man, <laughs> you kind of just wish he'd left a few things alone. Well, we, uh, between Nolan Arenado, Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill, that's uh, 250 plus plate appearances. And, all three of those guys, none of them are slugging close to 400. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not entirely true. Um, Tyler O'Neill is slugging, uh, what, like 385 or something like that. 
Uh, but, you know, Dylan Carlson, um, uh, it's just the power just seems gone. Not, not mm-hmm. that he was ever, you know, that prolific of a p- power hitter, but it, it just, something just seems zapped. I know he's always struggled against uh, righties, but man, it, it does not look great. Well, and I think that's, and, a, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was the last point I was just going to say is, and you know, obviously Nolan Arenado is off to a very slow start, and you know we've seen that turn quickly in years past. Just like last year with Paul Goldschmidt, I think at this point in the season last year, I, I think he had already kind of started to turn it on. But if you remember those first couple of weeks at the beginning of the season, he 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 was pretty bad, and then mid June we were like, gosh, this guy's like been Pujols like the last six weeks, so. I'm assuming that Nolan Arenado is eventually going to turn it around just based on his track record. Yeah, I, I think so. But yeah, until he does, it's, it, it's very, very frustrating. Um, but that, I think when you talk, you started about talking about Dylan Carlson, I think that leads us to the bigger news, I guess, of the week in that of, is that Jordan Walker was sent back to AAA uh, well, not back to AAA. He'd never been to AAA, but he was sitting down to AAA. Um, and, you know, we had this discussion, you and I, ever, I think everybody um, had this discussion in spring and this idea of of why he wouldn't be starting on the spring, uh, on the opening day roster. And a lot of those reasons are still accurate uh, that they have him sitting down. But it does also feel like this is just their way of, of trying to figure out what they're doing with that outfield that they expected to be able to juggle five outfielders and then realize that's harder than it looks. Right. I, do you think they send him down if they are uh, like a 500 team right now? Do, do you think it, it's a situation where they just like, look, the defense is not something that we can afford to be tinkering with at this level while we are currently sitting at 10 and 17. I, I wonder, um, I didn't love him being sent to AAA, but I get it. Uh, th- there are things I'm, sh- I'm sure he can, you know, certainly work on. Um, and I expect him to come back and be good. Uh, the hitting certainly looks good. Uh, the defense. Yeah. I mean, if you look at anything, the, the, he's not grading very well in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess I'm not too worried about it. He's such an athletic guy that it seems like something, and he's you know still a young guy that he could certainly figure out. Um, but to your point, yeah, uh, you we always talked about like oh, it's a good problem to have, and I think, gosh, it may have been the most recent birdie work Dane Perry's thing where he was just like, is it really a good problem to have though? <laughs> and is it especially, I, I hope that was Dane. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, right I, think, I think so. I, may, I say it may have been you. <laughs> I'm trying oh, to remember. And, and I have, we have said that before. It's that uh, it's okay. a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. Uh, but yes, yeah, they, and, they and just recently write something like that. Yeah. And especially if you don't have confidence in the manager to handle the situation correctly. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I feel that way about Ollie, but I really don't know. Right. Yeah, I, I do. If they were a 500 team, I still think they might have sent him down because I do think that it's not just about Jordan Walker. It's about 
letting these guys figure out something. And I, and I, honestly, I'm getting to the point where I think that they also wanted to see what they had in these four guys, because one of them's going to be gone by the middle of May. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do think that Mo makes a, a earlier trade, even if it's just for a, some sort of prospect, just sort of to clear some room, but you know, and there are variables and stuff like that, but I think a lot of us said, Hey, five outfielders, that's, that's hard to do. And I know there, you know, Derek Gould would show that there was, you know, the playing times there, but I think it also doesn't take into account that these guys don't necessarily like stopping and starting, right. You know, play two games and sit out for a day or two. Um, they kind of like to have that regular routine and whether that is, you know, good or bad, or they should be more adaptable or whatever, you know, these are baseball players. And, you know, if, if that's the way they, they go to work, um, if I was working at a different place every day, I'd, you know, it throw me off a little bit too, I guess. Um, assuming I actually did anything. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think that they might have anyway, just to clear that, to clear the decks a little bit. Um, you know, if they were 14 and nine or something like that, then no, he's probably, they'll probably like, okay, good enough. He can learn it on the fly. We'll just leave him out there. And I think, I think that's just a little bit what I was a bit weird about because I thought they would just throw him out there. And maybe the fact that they were losing was made them feel like they couldn't just let him learn on the job. Right. Um, okay. Let's, let's see about it. Well, let's look at this question. We've got one from Greg Matron 28 who asks is, MMs, which I believe is Miles Michaelis, but given the Cardinal history with MM, it's, it's, you have to sometimes think about it. Is Miles Michaelis' goose cooked or can he turn it around? Um, this was before Michaelis' last start, which I think was a little bit better. I'd have to go, but I feel like it was. But I mean, what, are, are, how, what's your level of concern with Miles Michaelis? Uh, tough to say. Uh, you know, I actually had. Uh, drinks with Ben Godar last night because he he's in town for some work stuff, and we were talking about Miles Michaelis, and basically, if Miles, he brought up the question: if Miles Michaelis was on the Padres, where would he fit in that rotation? Um, and the context was he pretty much seems like our number one guy <laughs> right, right now, right. and. And perhaps a stronger rotation, he might be a four or five guy. Now, you you mentioned his last start. I think he uh, he didn't give up any runs. He he did walk a couple of guys, struck out mm-hmm. struck out a couple. Um, I think struck out uh, six, walked two, four hits, okay. and six and a third. So, um, they're hitting him hard. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not really striking any guys out. He's not throwing much swing and miss stuff. Um, he's not, but he's not walking any guys. So that that's certainly something. Um, but I think it goes back to kind of what we said is in that Miles Michaelis is a much more valuable pitcher with a with a really good defense behind him. Yeah. Uh, and they just don't quite have that right now. Uh, so is his goose cooked? No. Um, are we in trouble if he is our best pitcher? Probably. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, well, I guess the extension came in the spring. And when you saw that, it seemed, okay, that's fine. You know, not a bad price, et cetera, et cetera. You know, now when you look at the numbers, again, still kind of early, but, you know, it's about the barrel rates almost 12%. It's his highest exit velocity in in his career, or at least in my editor by Statcast. Um, things like that, you start to wonder: Are they going to really regret that extension after all? Can you remind me the years on that? Two years, forty million, if I'm right. So it'd be okay. Yeah, not, that, you know, 20, that, 24 and twenty-five. Now that you say that, that that's definitely right. Um, what I can say about Miles Michaelis, uh, and you know, I, I think I said a second ago, if he's our best pitcher, we're in trouble. You know, I, I think that's probably reserved for Jordan Montgomery right now, actually. So I, I yeah. So yeah, I I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm overlooking Jordan Montgomery. Um, but one thing I can say for Miles Michaelis is he's not Stephen Matz or Jake Woodford. <laughs> 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 um, uh, those guys as goose might be cooked if they ever had a goose to begin with. I don't quite know how that expression works. Um, uh, those guys uh, give me uh, a little more heartburn, certainly than Miles Michaelis does. And, and that's, I think that's fair. And in theory, Woodford's out of the rotation here pretty soon with Adam Wainwright, who is going to make a third rehab start, even though he didn't want to. Um, and we'll have to wait and see what that looks like. But I think that's a question we can hold off on until we see him back. Cause it's really hard to judge. I think rehab starts for a guy like that. Don't you? I don't, I don't know that we should take a whole lot out of those. Oh, I, I, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, Daniel, you know, there's a reason I don't watch, you know, I don't even watch spring training, so I'm <laughs> definitely not paying attention to rehab well, starts. This may have been a problem for you, Alex, because in spring training, they were good. Um, so okay. if you'd watched spring training, you might've had some enjoyment of this season <laughs> versus what we're seeing now. <laughs> um, you know, that's just the way it is, I guess. Um, take it. Let's take a, a shot at some of these other questions. Some are, uh, I think we have to address this one from Shecky ZX, who had a two part question <laughs> who asked other than Ollie Marmol, which members of the organization do you believe to be jerks? And <laughs> other than Jack Flaherty, what other players do you believe to be bad? Um, we're, we're going back to a show from a couple of weeks ago where Alex pretty much said both of those things. Um, okay. Well, first off, uh, I, I, he's, he's one of my, uh, I, I enjoy following him a lot yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, the person who like, was shaky. How do you pronounce it? I don't know. You know, I've, I've been interacting with him for a while. On I, Twitter. Call I, really him, I call him Zed because that's what, yeah, I think that's what I yeah. prefer to him as well. yeah, um, First off, let the record show. I did not call Ollie Marmel a jerk. I called, I believe, uh, John Mazzella. That's what I was thinking. It was John Mazzella. Yeah, and, and only in the context if that l- stupid, like, kind of analogy I gave of, like, you know, if you're driving in a car and you get in an argument with the driver, um, that other driver's a jerk. But if you get in an argument with, like, 10 drivers, and you're probably the jerk, I, I think is, is yeah, kind of what I, I said. I think that's in something line, in line with that, yes. Uh, but anyway, to answer the question, all right, who else, who else do I think is a jerk? Hmm, let's see. How about Dusty Blake? He seems a little too pleased with himself, doesn't he? Um, actually, I, I, I'm just joking. I have no, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Dusty may feel a little bit warm is what I'm thinking, uh, (laughs) given that, you know, you go from you're the new pitching coach and your pitching staff is putting up ERAs like they are. Um, You know, I don't think you have you don't have room to be a jerk. I I can't imagine Mike Maddox would have uh, been faring too well with the fan base right now. He was still in that seat and they're doing this. We've seen a lot of hands on lots of shoulders uh, (laughs) by this point. Uh, and people would have been very angry at Mike Maddox. Um, I, I was totally kidding about Dusty Blake, by the way. I I, that was just the first person I could think of. Yeah. Um, but who's bad? Look, we already mentioned that Tyler O'Neill is not hitting. Dylan Carlson's not hitting. Uh, Nolan Arenado's not hitting. Um, so, yes, they're bad. Uh, Jake Woodford, bad. Steven Matz, bad. Uh, Jack Flaherty, do I owe him an apology? Um, what do you think? Uh, he, you know, the, the, he, he, go ahead. Just real, I think what frustrates me about Flaherty mm-hmm. is he never he, he just doesn't seem to be fooling anybody. He meaning anytime he throws a pitch that's not in the zone, no one's swinging at it. Yeah. Uh, and it's just it's just frustrating to watch because and you hear the announcer say this sometimes, like you know, I kind of wish he would just attack the guy more. Um, and believe me, I'm not. I'm sure there's way more to it than that. Uh, and yeah, I don't want him to like blow up your show on Instagram or whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think that's just been what's frustrating to me about Jack Flaherty is look, you're not fooling anybody with, with when whether it's the nibbling or just anytime you're trying to throw something out of the zone. So I, I would almost feel better him just, you know, getting hit hard and, um, uh, but at least throwing strikes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, right after, of course, right after you called him bad last time, uh, he threw, he threw a good game. And so we thought, okay, this is the motivation he needed, but we haven't seen that consistency, you know, I mean, just again, this last time out, he gives up, you know, what six runs, I think, or so it was a lot. It wasn't maybe not six runs, but it was one of those games where, and, and like we saw, even last night, maybe, or maybe this is a game. I'm, they all they all run together, especially when you're not watching any of them. Um, but you know, and, the, and he didn't make it out of the fifth inning. I, you know, yeah, that's something. Yeah, from, from and you know, there was the game that what we get. He gave, I think he gave him a two nothing lead in the top of the first, and he gave it right back in the bottom. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. you know, lead off home. Yeah, because it's lead off home run by Mookie Betts. You know, who you know, right after you get him to a two nothing lead. Jack Flaherty is probably a could be a very fine pitcher, I think, but he's, we've got that expectation of him to be ace level stuff, an ace level guy. And I, I mean, it's not there and maybe that's, maybe it's because of the the training and maybe he'll go somewhere else and it'll, it'll click and he'll be, we'll be like talking about him. Like we talk about Sandy Alcantara and Zach Allen. Um, But it's just hard to see that it's going to work in St. Louis. It just, that you know we continue to remember 2019 that second half but it's the more and more you get away from that the more and more that's not the expectation but just an aberration and 2019 was a long long yeah. time ago uh, i i did not know what the coronavirus was in 2019 um to tell you how long ago that was uh, people thought the coronavirus whole... was something completely different you know like it was a whole different world <laughs> the last time we saw him be really really right. really good um wanted to hit the question i know you were very very interested in 
um, from Math the Ace 25 asks, what pose will the Molina and Pujol statues be in? Yeah, I did like this question. Um, okay, so, and, and I thought about this one right after it was asked. Um, so I have answers already formulated in my head, and I'm very curious to hear yours. With Pujols, I think the statue should kind of capture that look he had after he took about two steps out of the box after the home run off Lidge. <laughs> um, staring into uh, you know the the deep deep sky in left field. I guess not the sky; they were indoors. Um, but y- you know what I mean. Yeah, I uh, he yeah. hadn't he hadn't started his trot yet. He was admiring the ball. Um, so prior to him running, mm-hmm. which if you if you watched that replay, which you know I have countless times, he actually pretty much sprints around the bases. But before he does that, he is admiring the shot, and it's it's a look we've seen before. Of, of after he hits a home run, um, him admiring his handiwork. Uh, but that one really is kind of seared in my brain. And, uh, it, you know, if I had the video up, I'd tell you exactly what uh, timestamp I'm talking about. But I think you know what yeah, I'm talking yeah, about, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's a good one. Now, if I had to give a second answer, I would just kind of say the batting stance. Because he had such – and, and – you're reminded of it when you watch that replay. He had such an intimidating stance uh, that and 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 unique enough that I think it really would be captured nicely in a statue. Um, but I'm I'm going to stick with my first one. Um, Yachty, I don't have a specific play in mind. I think probably because there's like hundreds of these. Uh, but I'm thinking of Yachty with catcher's helmet on top of his head, um, staring out in the general direction of second base um, with those eyes, having just picked off a poor sap who <laughs> thought it would be a good idea to try to steal second. Fair enough. Um, you know, you, as you started to talk about that, I thought, you know, it would be very interesting to put like those two steps, like Albert at first base receiving a back pick from Yachty because oh. that was such a great move. Uh, of theirs with Adam Wainwright, like at the pitcher's mound. So you have this whole like tableau going. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think both of those for Pujols were, were really good. Um, I also think of like, even of one, like with his follow through, um, you know, like after he hit the ball, um, cause that was kind of iconic too, just the way the bat came through. Um, but- he, he had maybe, you know, Almost any time people bring up like, oh, that person has a beautiful swing, almost always a, a left-handed hitter. Right. Uh, but Pujols was one of those guys where you could say that about his swing as well, a righty. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's really hard to imagine that they won't do a Molina, a Wainwright statue together. Like them, you know, a, a hug of them like after the 2006 World Series or something like that. But yeah, if they did it separate, I think you're right. I think that that you know helmet on the head type of thing, or and even if they could get him like coming out of the crouch throwing down a second or something would be an would be an interesting one as well. Although it you know, may be taxing the sculptor's uh, ability there, but um, it's gonna be fun. I'm, I mean, I'm, they've got to be working on them. I mean, they're sketching them out now, right? I mean, they're not. I mean, if they made the Mark McGuire statue before and then before anything, you know, they've you know, they're already working on, on all three of those guys. Just get to have it ready when they put it out there. 
And I think we can finally wheel that McGuire statue out. Yeah. No, I don't. Um, but that's a, that's a whole nother issue. I, I like your idea of uh, kind of the backdoor, you know, throw from Yachty to Pujols at first, except for the fact that with its Pujols, I really need to see him batting. True. Sure. Um, you, you know how they kind of redid those, uh, I guess, murals, you want to call them, in, on the uh, left field wall? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Where the retired and, numbers are? Uh, yeah. Um, and and Ozzy's is, is no longer the backflip. It's him uh, circling the bases ha- after having just hit the, uh, you know, the famous left-handed home run game six mm-hmm. of the uh, – no, I'm sorry, game five game of five. the 85 yeah. NLCS. And believe me, that's like one of – the most iconic moments of my childhood of blah, 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 lots of things. But still, I, when it's Ozzy, I really just want to see him either doing a flip or just like diving to catch a ball because that that's what sums up Ozzy to me. Um, even though that, that is and not, and not at home runs, obviously, since he only hit 28, uh, that said, that is such like a, such an iconic moment. And with the Jack Buck call and everything, I get it. Um, but I always like to kind of capture these guys doing the thing that they were most known for. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair as well. I mean, you wouldn't see Stan Musial, you know, playing first base or something like that. <laughs> right. They didn't do that. Uh, I guess the question also that becomes: Do you make, especially a Pujol statue, the same size as those little statues around the front of the stadium? Or does he get something a little bit? No, I don't. He's not going to get the Stan Musial statue because he was gone for mm-hmm. ten years. But does he get something a little bit, you know, a little bit more imposing because it's Albert Pujols? You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I've never loved the mini statue. I've always <laughs> thought like they should be a little like, especially Gibson's stat. Like I, yeah, I always yeah. felt like Gibson maybe like almost on. Um, I almost wouldn't mind like on the opposite side of like the a Bush stadium from stands. If he had a statue that was almost of similar size, mm-hmm. if not the same size. Uh, uh, and Ozzy's, even though I like that kind of, uh, I like his statue. I like mm-hmm. that kind of, it's, it's kind of that over the head catch. Right. right. If I recall. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I do kind of wish they were bigger. Like, and you know, I'm getting greedy here. I, I know it's not easy to just, you can't just crank out these statues. Um, but you can't give Pujols a bigger statue than Bob Gibson, in my opinion. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I don't think you can, but I'm glad you brought that up because that's something it's always sort of bothered me uh, that Stan usual statue, which, which I actually love, even though plain people have pointed out and I think Stan himself, it didn't quite capture his, his stance or whatever, but I still love the statue, but I, I've, I've never loved the fact that it dwarfs uh, everyone else's. Yeah. And and like, believe me, I am fine with it dwarfing like uh, Bruce Suter statue or uh, does Does Suter have one? Suter doesn't have one yet. Does okay. I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, some of those others, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think. Ted Simmons uh, just got one. That would okay. Be fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with him yeah. dwarfing Ted Simmons statue and believe me, nothing against Ted Simmons. Uh, uh, I love Ted Simmons, uh, but you get my point. Right. Right. And 
you know, I know that there's somebody out there that has is probably screaming. If Bill DeWitt's not going to spend money on the players, he should at least spend it on the statues. <laughs> That's a different story. But um, but yeah, I I, I agree. It's, it's it is a little bit weird, but I guess somewhat makes sense that they are like these mini things sitting in this you know over, and it's not even like it's close, right? I mean, Stan is like skyscraper statue and, and these other ones are like mm-hmm. you know normal head size so i don't know it'll be it and you know at some point in time you know you run out of a little bit of real estate there in the front of the stadium so you know and doesn't stan have uh one with one of the smaller ones as well does. yeah 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 so um so yeah that's that's an interesting one to, to think about um Book Al, that's Dan Chibnall, who's uh, the part of the Cardinal Off Day group as well, um, wants to know, since everything around the Cardinals has been so negative, what's a positive story, player, or event that has made you smile or remember when you love baseball, either with the Cardinals or with MLB? Well, I'm going to stick with the Cardinals because, you know, that's, sure. that's what we do here. And this was tougher than I wanted it to be. <laughs> Um, and I have to go back kind of far and Will Leach brought this up on a seeing red, not long after opening day. Um, but I think it, I think he's right. And I, I think it's worth repeating that not many teams can do opening day like the Cardinals can. Right. And even in a season, um, uh, like, like, let's say we weren't even expecting the Cardinals to be good this year. Let's say we were thinking they were going to win. Like, like, like we just had no hope that this was going to be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. We still get up for opening day and the team would still get up for opening day um, because they do it better than almost everyone, if not everyone. And he made the point like, look, Joe Torrey was there. Um, Joe Torrey had a, a good career um, as a player with the Cardinals, uh, won an MVP. Um, but he wasn't, you know, he, he, it's not like he had like a Bob Gibson or a Lou Brock type career with the Cardinals. Um, and then he became the manager and was, had a, I think everyone would agree, um, a pretty unsuccessful stint, um, Mm -hmm. didn't reach the postseason once. Um, I don't think they ever won more than 86 games when he was manager, maybe 87 once. I don't know. Um, got fired, right? Right. Got fired. And then went to the Yankees and became a legend. Um, but as Will said, he wasn't in the Bronx on opening day. He was with the Cardinals. Um, and the, they just have always done the pageantry better than everyone else. Uh, or at least as as well as everyone else. I, I don't want to, because this is the team I pay attention to, I'm sure there's other examples out there of, people really rolling out the red carpet for their stars, but the Cardinals really, really do it well. And the cherry on top was Wainwright singing the national anthem. Uh, That's another thing. I just, we've been so lucky to have a player like Adam Wainwright, not just on the team, but on the team for this long and solely on this team. He hasn't played for anyone else. I think we forget how rare it is to look on the back of a baseball card for someone who's been in the league this long and have it only have one team on there. And we've been very lucky with that, with both him and Yadier Molina. Um, and then for him to sing the national anthem and sing it pretty sure. well. I mean, I was showing it to my wife, who 
um, you know, we know that he dabbles in singing um, and playing the guitar and whatever. Um, and she was like, well, I had, you know, I had no idea that, he, you know, he was even a singer. Uh, and, you know, we forgive athletes when they screw up in the field, um, when they have a bad game or whatever. But if he had just like butchered that, like if he had been like Carl Lewis <laughs> singing the national anthem, do you remember that? When yeah, Carl Lewis yeah, tried to sing? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like it, he never would have rebounded from that. At least in terms of just like being made fun of, like, <laughs> like you're really putting yourself out there. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do. Uh, I, I I remember one time at dinner, I, I for a while I was singing the national anthem to um, my wife and uh, our son. I don't think our daughter was born yet because um, I was practicing it. Just because one, I was curious because everyone talks about how hard of a song it is to sing, um, and it is. Uh, and two, I think I was going to like sing it at this one gathering uh, that me and my friends were having um, just as kind of like a joke or something. I don't know. Anyway, it's very hard to sing. And e that's even in front of people that I knew. I can't imagine doing it in front of that crowd of people. Um, his heart must have been jumping. His heart must have been pounding, um, jumping out of his shirt. And he did such a great job. And it was just a very special day. So that's my answer. Opening day. I think that's a very good answer. Um, and I think that's definitely the case. I think you could also say, <clears throat> well, I think you could say Jordan Walker's first hit or first home run yes. uh, just because yes. those are always good things. But I think to go along with that, the story that we've seen the last couple of days out in Pittsburgh with Drew Maggie, who I, I, I almost said that. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, got his first couple of hits tonight. Um, so that's awesome. I mean, it, I mean, it's always cool when somebody gets their first hit, right? But when a guy like that, you know, he's 33 years old. He's been in the, you know, played ball for, what, 13 years in the minor leagues. Never got it, you know, one time had gotten called up, but never got a chance to play with the Twins, what, three or four years ago. And so now to get a chance to come up and get into a game and then, you know, get into really – you know, I guess two or three games here now and, and get his first couple of hits. Um, even though it looks like they've just, you know, they optioned him back down afterwards. He's, he's got his, you know, he, he's a major leaguer. He's in the, as it used to be the baseball encyclopedia, right? I, I'm sure you remember the old baseball encyclopedias. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of your, the way you were, you knew you were something cause it was in print. You know, it was, you were always going to be part of major league baseball in that way. And that's what he is. And so I think that's really really cool it's really fun to, to see those kind of stories and we saw that not a little bit to that extent a little bit better honestly i guess in the in the result of his career but you know jose martinez right when he he had spent 10 years in the minor leagues and had barely gotten any success in the majors at all and then to come up and you know kind of click with the cardinals for that season or two um was pretty cool so you like to you love to see stories like that. I think that's what we we watch baseball for to some degree is the storylines. Um, we also watch it for wins, but we'll take the storylines, I guess, <laughs> this year. Um, yeah, and if I can, ex if you don't mind, no, go. if I can expand on your point real quick, because I think this goes straight to the question that was asked by Dan. Uh, no other sport quite has that. Uh, you, I, you know, I can't imagine like a anyone making a big deal or even thinking twice when some guy um, who has been struggling to get 
in the NBA, like steps on the court for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. like they don't make a big production out of it. I'm sure it's a big deal to him. Don't get me wrong. Or, or same thing with the NFL. Like that is something that baseball really has that the other sports don't quite have. And you see it talked about so much, like in a movie like Bull Durham, when it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to the show, you know, mm-hmm. just the idea of stepping foot out there. Um, and even Field of Dreams when he talks about wh- what's his face, the, the like doctor. Who, yeah, who never got that chance. You know, um, we the reason why that works in film so well is because it's a true thing. It really is a big deal uh, in this sport when a guy is able to put on a uniform and go out and play for the first time. And it's especially cool with a player like Maggi who – as you said, I, I think they said he's older than um, Freddie Freeman. I, I heard that said. I mean, and this, you know, and Freddie Freeman now seems like he's been around forever. And this guy was having his first taste of the big leagues. Yeah. So it was just a, such a cool story. Although I will say, I don't really necessarily appreciate the fact that a guy 15 <laughs> years younger than me is being considered this old guy that's just getting, you know, get, that's. Yeah, I was, I was 11 when this dude was born. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I am with you there. Um, our last two questions, as we get a little bit past this hour mark, but our last two questions kind of tie somewhat together. Um, so they're both one's from Richard McGill, eighty nine. One from uh, O underscore T underscore Lee, um, and both of them basically are talking about trades. Richard McGill uh, has a says the team has a surplus of outfielders and possibly middle infielders and they need pitching, what pitchers do you envision being available in a trade at the deadline that could help this year and beyond? O.T. Lee's, uh, you know, pretend you're in late July, cards are 11 games out, still floundering. Or, you know, what are the top moves to make for 2024? Or if you're back in track and in a dog food, dog fight, not dog food, for the division, <laughs> what players might be the best realistic targets? What... I'm never really great at trade ones. I mean, I'm like, oh, let's just get, you know, the good people. But um, are there people out there that you think the Cardinals would realistically look at? Because, I mean, there's going to be these people that always want to look at Shohei Otani, but I think we can all guarantee that's not going to happen. But is there a pitcher that you think the Cardinals might try to target? Well, I'm... I've always been a bad pretend GM. Uh, I'm sure worse than you, so I'm excited. Let's say some really stupid stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, Otani obviously is a free agent after this season. Uh, he's the first one that pops the mind. Now, this is a hard question part because of the expanded playoffs. Um, now, if are they 11 games out of first place? Or are they just 11 games out of a playoff spot? Because that's a big difference. You yeah. can be 11 games out of first place and still be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the expanded playoffs, um, teams are a little late to realize sometimes that we have no chance of competing. Um, and that is, this would be a good year to perhaps sell at the deadline. Right. Um, and so it's tough because – when thinking about this, you have to look at a team that you think is going to be doing that at the deadline. And it's hard to make that determination right now, even with teams that are currently very bad. That said, um, and I thought of Lance Lynn. Uh, The White Sox stink. 
Uh, so does Lance Lynn, mind you. He's not having a very good season, but he's going to be a free agent after this year, I believe. And the one thing he's doing pretty well is he's striking guys out. He has like a 26% strikeout rate, um, which would lead our starting rotation. Um, I think uh, Flaherty is striking out the most batters right now for the Cardinals. He's around 24%. Um, and we know we just need some more swing and miss guys. So Ooh. I'm going to say Lance Lynn, even though he's not having a very good year. Uh, actually, it, what do you think of that? Well, I, I, I'm fine with that. I mean, if nothing else, it'll bring a, you know, give Jim Hayes something to do uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, I will say because I, I pulled up this article from Ken Rosenthal in the athletic from earlier this week, which does reference Lance Lynn, who said he's got a club. The, there's a club option on his contract for next year. So the Cardinals could keep uh, him okay. around for 2024, but basically okay. he's, you know, Rosenthal's basically like, look, the white Sox are terrible. Kind of like you said, here are all their pitchers that they might be interested in trading. Um, and I, I think that's not necessarily they're interested in, but you know, it's a possibility. Um, there are a couple of names that stand out. I think Lucas Giolito, he's a free agent at the end of the year, but putting him with Flaherty for a second half of a season, you know, could you do that? And again, I don't know. Do they need outfielders? I have no idea, you know, because that's what you're going to, what's what we're looking at, right? I think you're looking at a guy, you know, maybe it's a Dylan Carlson and a prospect for somebody or, you know, for a Lance Lynn or something like, does that work? I don't know. I'm again, not at all being able to do that, but Giolito makes it interesting. And then, of course, if they if they were interested in, which would be kind of crazy, but it's the White Sox, and you never know, I guess. Dylan Cease is a guy that you know mm. had a lot of buzz coming into this year. Now he's still got a lot two years of salary arbitration left, so you're looking at a guy that's going to cost a lot in talent. Um, but maybe it's worth it. The Cardinals have proven, and it's and it's kind of weird because I think you remember what I don't think it was ten years ago that all the Cardinals prospects were pitchers and they couldn't develop a hitter to save their life. And now mm-hmm. it's it's the other way around, right? I mean, they've got all these hitters, and seemingly even the pitchers that they get, they can't do anything with. Um, but you know, I don't know. I I, I mean, those are names that pop up. I can't think of, I see somebody else in response to that also mentioned, you know, a Tyler Glasgow or Edward Cabrera. Those would probably be more of a long-term solutions. Um, Cause I think Glasgow's, he may be get about to come back, but he's been hurt and he's going to be able to build him back. So, you know, he's maybe a buy low kind of guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now I don't know that we're whole <laughs> beggars can't be choosers to some degree. If you can get somebody in here, like even if you could do a, a Jordan Montgomery type move of a guy that at least I had not heard that much about, but you get somebody like that in here now and that could make a, a large difference. Well, I like your Dylan Cease answer. Um, uh, and here's why. Do, do you remember, I, I think a week ago when we were talking about like when you make a trade and then you mm-hmm. get back the guy that you traded him for, like John, like we traded John Tudor for Pedro Guerrero. Yeah. Um, remember how excited we were that day? Yeah. I was very excited. Yeah. Um, uh, and he had that one, uh, season where he drove in 117 and he had one really good year and then he just kind of like left. Uh, 
Upton retired, I think, after a couple of years. Um, and then we talked about like uh, we traded Ray Langford for Woody Williams and got Ray Langford back. So the Cubs, correct me if I'm wrong, traded Dylan Cease for Jose Quintana, right? That, mm, yeah, that seems about right. Let me just double check. I feel like that's the case. Um, we get and uh, Quintana never really works out for the Cubs. Um, he he I, he wasn't like awful. Um, he had some. Mm-hmm. He had a decent time, but it wasn't. It's not what they I think were hoping he would be. Right. Um, but then we get Jose Quintana last year, and um, we uh, we turn him into a very serviceable pitcher. Uh, not, I shouldn't say tournament. Like right. that he, makes it sound like he was good in was. Pittsburgh yeah. too. So yeah, exactly, exactly. And he continued it here, and um, uh, yeah, and and so like, I I remember some Cubs fans being like aggravated that like because his last couple stints, his last couple, his last year, or whatever with the Cubs was was not great. Um, so then if we could also get Dylan Cease and and have like a squeeze something really good at Dylan Cease. It would be like kind of another weird version of that where we got the same two guys that the Cubs like made, uh, you know, mm. dealt, um, dealt for and dealt. Um, and, uh, you know, never really got anything from either of them. Obviously, they didn't, Dylan Cease never played for the Cubs. And, you know, Quintana was slightly disappointing. And if they could both be Cardinals and be good, that would be great. <laughs> I'm, I'm for that. And who knows? I mean, if Quintana gets healthy again and the Mets get all healthy, maybe they could get Quintana as well. And they could have both of them. And that would even be better, I think. I don't know. Um, yeah, so those are the end of the questions. Um, hopefully we'll do that again sometime. Thanks for everybody that responded before we go though. Alex, I think there's one last bit of this week news that we probably should touch on. Uh, the fact that Paul DeYoung is back and so far as I look, he just struck out in tonight's game, but, um, so far hasn't been bad. In fact, it's been pretty good, especially when you compare it to, to some of the other results that we've seen. Um, how long do you think it lasts? How long does it usually last? Um, I think it was usually about 40 or 45 at bats, maybe. Okay. Um, so, uh, I don't know how long it lasts. He, he currently has, uh, I think before this game started, he had uh, an OPS around uh, 1250. Um, so I don't expect that to last. Right, right. <laughs> um, that'll probably go down. Um, and I think he'll probably soon, um, morph back into the player that a lot of people weren't that, um, enamored with, um, kind of the guy he's been the last couple of years, person who seems a little lost at the plate. Uh, but I would love nothing if he could, if he somehow he, found this swing or, or, or whatever, uh, that would be wonderful. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm sure it won't, but if it, if it could, that would be great. Uh, but to answer your question, how long will it last? Let's see. I think he's been back for how long has he been back? Uh, um, Sunday, I think was his first game. So just a right okay. week. Yeah. Um, if we could, if we could squeeze another two, three weeks out of, out of him, um, that would be wonderful. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful, because of you know the the significant changes that he made in his swing but yeah i don't necessarily count on it i think it's interesting 
and maybe it's because they were trying to ride the hot hand, trying to do something, you know, he's moved Tommy Edmund over to second a lot more often. Um, we've seen him play shortstop quite a bit, although, you know, and there was some idea at one time that he was going to be that, you know, kind of utility guy that kind of got scrapped. Um, and Tommy may be a better utility guy than him anyway, but it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, they've, they've thrown him out there and expect, and he's, I don't know, I have to look, but I feel like he started every game this week, but you know, he's got two home runs, which is just as many as Nolan Arenado in that many, that time period. So maybe that's why he's still playing every day. Are you at all disappointed um, that we don't have a guy on the team who has like eight or nine stolen bases? A little bit. Um, like, were you hoping for more running with with the new bases, and uh, you know, you can only throw over twice? Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of funny. I was thinking about this uh, some point in time, the last week or so. Yeah, we were talking about the Cardinals not running a lot, and they're not playing defense as well. It's like they completely undid whatever Mike Schilt did while he was here, right? Because mm-hmm. he came in and they they started being aggressive, at least at least running well on the bases. Even if they weren't stealing a whole lot of bases, they're at least running well on the bases, and had a really sharp defense. And now not so much. And granted, that's you know they didn't hit as well back then, and there was a little bit of trade off of offense for defense or defense for offense. I get that, but it just it just seems like it seems a little bit weird that it's slid so much, maybe in a, in just a short period of time. Um, that said, that year, that last year in the shield, especially, what was it? Is that the year that they won the five gold gloves? It was, wasn't it? Um, so it was a really high bar that you were going to come down from a little bit some anyway. That's a good point. Yeah. So I assume you were wanting, wishing they would run a little bit more as well. Oh, of course. Of yeah. course, you know. Yeah. Let's, kids of the 80s. I, it, it won't be baseball until I see a guy steal 100 bases again. <laughs> Well, I don't don't hold your breath. Even with these, <laughs> even with these rules, um, it feels like that's. I mean, there has been more running, I guess, across baseball. I haven't looked as much, but and the Cardinals did a lot. You know, last night, I think what two or three stolen bases in last night's game, but uh, it's still there's still no Vince Coleman's out there. There's still no Kenny Loftons. Um, so, unfortunately, um, all right. Well. That's enough for this week. Um, the Cardinals are currently trailing the Dodgers by one, uh, but it's early, so maybe that'll turn around. Um, and maybe a lot of things will turn around this week, and we'll talk about it next week. But until then, for Alex, I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. The final time, Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, in regular season play. Here it comes. All of them coming out. Three icons in franchise history. Spanning over two decades. Excellence here with St. Louis. As Adam said to Yachty and Albert, you guys go first.